It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Thanks for downloading the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy alongside At The Races Pundit and my good friend, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello. And I have to tell you that before we get into this Goodwood Review special of the podcast, there will be other topics for discussion as well, that there was an absolute temper tantrum thrown before this show went to air because Kevin and I were having a discussion about a recent list and you want to see the temper tantrum that was thrown from Kevin Blake. I'm an owner. I'm a breeder, Uh, a winning racehorse breeder. (laughs) I'm an award-nominated journalist. I'm a broadcaster. I'm a writer. And I couldn't even be included in that list. But the... There is something to be said, Kevin. You're 32. You, there's time on your side. There's plenty of time for you to be on that list next year. Uh, lies make baby Jesus cry. But, but one thing I would say is that, um, as you say, I have a couple of years left to be eligible for this particular list. And um, in a completely unrelated announcement, I would like to just let people know that the paperwork came through this morning oh. and I have been officially adopted by Jim Bulger. <laughs> Um, so now I'm going to go by the name uh, Kevin Bulger going forward. Um, I can be known as son of, of you know world-class trainer, breeder, owner. And I'm sure that will have no effect on anything, but um, I just thought I'd let you know. I don't see why that would change a thing, to be honest about it. The fact that you're now an award-nominated writer, broadcaster, breeder, and son of a famous breeder and trainer as well, world-famous. Sorry, Kevin, just getting an update here. Uh, I still don't know who runs this, but Blake Bed have gone Kevin Blake to be included in the top 35 under 35 list 2019. They've cut you from 33 to 1 to 1 to 100. 100 <laughs> to 1 on you are now, Kevin. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Apparently somebody had a bet on that. Now it's no offers. No offers. <laughs> That Kevin Blake will be included in the top. Kevin Bulger. Kevin Bulger. Oh, of course. Sorry. Yes, 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 yes. Of course. Kevin Bulger. I'm, that's going to take me a while to get used to. <laughs> I'm very proud of him. You know, he's a great man. I mean, he's he, he's on, an unbeaten boxer too, you know. Like, don't forget that as well. Like, he learned all that from me. And you'll notice <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever see him on the telly, if you look at his shoes, they're always shining. You know, I, I, got, I make sure all the lads now there's no messing around in my yard and his shoes are always shining. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's only Galileo's from now on. T.F. Helio's new approach is in Galileo's for Kevin's mares. Yeah, yeah, he's the best around. Um, I think that Jim Bulger might have got a bit creepy there towards the end. Anyway. Very uh, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
so I was in the Goodwood press room. I have to say a huge thank you to Sam and all the team at Goodwood. They are absolute legends there. Uh, lovely people. It's a really relaxed atmosphere um, for the Qatar Goodwood Festival. It'll always be known as Glorious Goodwood, really. We must talk about the sponsorship, Kevin, actually, a little bit later on, because I thought Ed's interview was, was quite interesting and opens a few discussions. But um, lovely people, an incredibly aesthetically pleasing race course as well. But I did get a good kick out of um, being in the press room with some of the ITV team, looking up at the TV and seeing you getting absolutely drenched at Galway with Gary while we were trying to hide from the sun. Never miss a chance to drop in the ITV team. <laughs> absolutely. Which, by the way, uh, I did a podcast with Matt Chapman, which was interesting. Uh, but uh, Mr. Kevin Blake was there on ITV for... George Bowen Day, which wasn't quite George Bowen Day, unfortunately. He did run a storm room. We got the each way money back. The scumbag each we, way we, money. We'll talk landed. about that later. We'll talk we about will. that. But later. I quite liked your, your cameo, uh, Breeder Blake's cameo on, uh, on ITV's coverage. Right, let's, let's take a look at day one, so, which was stunning weather. And um, I thought Torciador had the Qatar Goodwood Cup won. I'll be completely honest with you, Kevin. I thought he had it done. And strat- were, you, were you giving it easy game? I was. I was not. I was not because, as you know, <laughs> whenever I yell easy game, uh, the horse actually wins. Uh, so I obviously hadn't done that this time because I was still a little bit nervous. But to be fair, uh, winning connections of last year, go and do it again. And Stradivarius really had to pull it out of the fire this time around. Um, it's pretty easy for him inside the final furlong, but he really had to get there. And I think it's a testament to his class and to his character that he was able to to nail Torciador in the final furlong uh, like he did. I would be concerned, though, at York that he's going to need proper good ground. Uh, maybe in this incredible summer that we're having, that will continue. But st- stairs are real stars. And this new staying million pound bonus is a fantastic initiative. And he is a genuine star of the game. No, great to see. Super horse race. Uh, two, pr- two lovely horses. Um, Torciador had the run of it to an extent. Um, the overall... The, the, the early pace wasn't all that strong and he was certainly better positioned as the race went than Stradivarius. But, you know, Stradivarius had the talent and the will to overcome that bit of adversity and um, it got the job done a shade snug late on. Mm. Um, he, he's just a smashing horse. He has the pace for, um, you know, he, he, he can probably go shorter than this again if he needed to. I think he's got plenty of pace. And, um, and onwards and upwards with him, he'll hopefully be around for, for many years to come. And uh, he'll hopefully continue to be a joy to watch. Yet to win with any cut in the ground. So that would be a concern for the final leg of the bonus, which is now the Lonsdale Cup. So line up there and it's a million. I, I like, quite like the way that's done. I think it's 700,000 for the owner, but then 300,000 is divided up amongst the trainer, jockey. How's that going to work with Frankie and Andrea? We'll have to wait and see how they work that one out. And um, oh, they'll and be fine. <laughs> I, I reckon they'll work that one out. And the stable staff. So it's. I think it, it seems very, very fair. Um, I, I think it also worth. It's worth mentioning the fact that he's joining a very elite bunch here in in this in this century. In that he's. It's only Persian Punch, Big Orange, and Yates who are dual winners of the Goodwood Cup. So that in itself tells you just how difficult a thing it is to to actually win it twice. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, when the I think if the um, if the bonus scheme had been there all along, it might have been done a little bit more often. 
And nothing like a nothing like a bit of dough to to get your motivation up. Hundred <laughs> percent. Do you think Torcidor will take him on again in in York? I'm not sure why not. Yeah, you know, I suppose the yeah, why not? Why not? Look, the Irish St. Ledger will be an obvious race for Torcidor. That's what are we talking? Five, just shy of six weeks away. Mm. So he could potentially do both, but. They might well want to hold on to him for Dakara as well, because that uh, that might be not the strongest renewal this year, given that Order of St. George perhaps doesn't look quite as good as he once was. Yeah, you have to wonder about Order of St. George. Was that due to some of Aidan O'Brien's horses just disappointing this season? And like he has, he's obviously been beaten in the Irish St. Ledger before by Wicklow Braves, so it wouldn't be a shock if he did get beaten in it. But then again, at, at the same time, he has been brilliant in he's it. He's been that was where he announced his arrival on the scene. Remember, he bolted up by was it a million lengths? Yeah, last year, he won by a million lengths as well. Yeah, yeah. So, as a three year old and as a five year old, he's bolted up in the race, so you'd have to be cautious with him. Um, Idaho, what you make of his run? Um. That kind of sums it up, I think. Fine. It, w- it wasn't grand. It was fine. Yeah, not grand, but fine. <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, were, were hoping to see Idaho over staying trips for, for a little while now. And um, now we've seen him and he, he was he was fine. He yeah. was fine. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they went back over shorter. You know, Aidan O'Brien had always... Um, I had always been a bit reluctant to up him to that sort of trip, and you know it is what it is. I'd say, look, Idaho's biggest problem, I'd say, is he's just not a Group One horse, no matter what, um, no matter what set of circumstances you you put him in. You know, he's a he's a very good Group Three borderline Group Two horse, um, but I don't know if he's a whole lot better than that, and I think that that might be. That might be the, the crack with him, really. He's always just going to be killed by association, really, isn't he? He's Highland Reel's brother, and so there's always going to be that little bit of expectation that there's something else there. But realistically, there isn't. Ah, yeah, I don't even know if it's that now. It's just, you know, when you're on the borderline, I think he's... I think he's some something like north for 14 in Group 1s. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it, that's right. I think it, it doesn't matter who, who you're related to. I think ultimately, at this stage, the race record... Um, defines a horse and ultimately he's just a bit short of what, what you need to win at that level. Well, you know what's going to happen, don't you? Some uh, New Zealand breeder is going to buy him and say, oh, he just didn't like those he just didn't like those wet Irish tracks. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> as he sits alongside Rock of Cashel and stood somewhere. Oh. Um, didn't like those wet Irish tracks. Uh, you are indeed correct, by the way. Uh, zero from 14. Um, I believe the sectional times... Uh, and uh, and the work done on that rates Stradivarius's performance quite higher as well. So, uh, yeah, impressive. He should really go and win at York, shouldn't he? And you'd like to think so. You'd like to think so. Um, I'd be looking forward to seeing him there. Okay. The other big race on the day was the Lennox Stakes. Um, this was won by Sir Dancelot, who came from the clouds. I mean, I have no idea how Gerald Mosse managed to get him up, but... He certainly wasn't the horse that I was looking at. I, I remember seeing Bretton Rock and going, hang on, hang on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. I've walked that track. It's good, bordering on firm. How? Maybe I've got it completely wrong. Like, it's obviously soft if Bretton Rock is coming through. He's run a stormer at the age of eight last year's winner. Uh, Soudois uh, for David O'Mara has run an absolute stormer. But Sir Dancelot has come from the clouds and done them all. 
hold on now. You walk the track. Yes. And now, when you say you walk the track, do you mean you went out to the winning post to record a video? <laughs> Is, well, I assume that's the extent. <laughs> that's what you're calling walking the track. No, I actually... Of course, you step foot on the track, but did, did you walk down to the seven furlong stairs for this race? i tell you what I did. I went to the bend, right? And you I did in your arse. Went to the bend, and I walked from the bend... <laughs> Right, all the way through to the winning line. That's what I did. And uh, Blake bet goes six hundred to one to that actually happen. Oh, I'll take that bet. Thank you very much. Hash, hashtag did not happen. Is insider trading allowed? Are we allowed to insider yes. trading? <laughs> I'll take that bet. Um, no, it did, did not happen. It, it did, and I'll tell you. You, you can you can barely walk in general. <laughs> never mind walk a track. <laughs> <laughs> but it's grass, Kevin. It's grass, and I'm hyped up on painkillers. I'm fine. That's, that's, the, that's the funny thing about it is that, like, once I get to the races, the adrenaline pumps through me so much that um, I'm <laughs> all right. You can walk tracks. <laughs> I can walk the track. But yet, as Kevin will tell you, the second we're done, like, basically, once we get back to Dublin Airport, I just fall apart. That's it. Like, I am no longer functional. Uh, also, can you work out? Kevin, as I just as we go off on a complete tangent, seeing as you've led us there, so you know that I'm well known for my. Co- by, by the way, I'd like to say hello to Alex, uh, the cameraman who came up to me at the coffee machine and said, "Put out your hands, then." And I went, <laughs> what? Put out your hands, then. I was listening to your podcast on the way here. Let's have a look. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take a leave. Thanks a lot, Kev. And he actually went, "Oh, you're all right. What's the other about? You're not too bad at all." <laughs> Um, so you, you <laughs> to be fair now, <laughs> when you said I'd like to give a shout out to Alex, Blake Bet went 101. Alex was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll be highly offended, highly offended. But can you name the member of the press room who asked me for a Baraka, having never had one before, and was completely exhausted and then almost went slightly tipsy to then being back to normal? Baracas don't do that to you, do yeah, they? Yeah, that was what was hilarious about it. But who was it that when when that person heard I was having a Baraka on top of the five espressos I just have, uh, went, oh, I'd quite like one of those. And then... I, I, just just before I make my guess, I assume you, you didn't charge the money for it you gave Of course not. I never do. Tamo. Yes, you're right. It was Tom. All right, big fella. All right, big fella. Give us one of those Barocas because I'm too busy to die. Uh, it was not Tomo, no. I will tell you off air. Uh, I don't think that person would appreciate it, but I said I might as well ask. Um, you can't tell the story. Oh, stop. It was, I'm not sure if she would appreciate it. Oh, Gina Bryce. No, it wasn't. I didn't see Gina. I don't think Gina was there. Uh, but there's a hilarious Baraka Aintree story involving Gina, which we'll tell some other day. Anyway, uh, Sir Dancelot comes from the clouds and goes and wins. Um, I, <laughs> he must have been a huge price in running, Kev. And, and Gerald Mosse has, has performed brilliantly here for David Ellsworth. I thought this was quite the performance. Yeah, look, I don't think we look back on this as a vintage group two, but God, it, was, no. it was a fabulous horse race, to be fair. Um, changing complexions uh, of a multiple, on a multiple of occasions. And um, looks at Ancelot. He, he's a grand solid horse, isn't he? You know, yeah. had run very well in the July Cup. He probably bettered that bare form here. 
And um, look, he's just a good solid horse. Um, group two winner, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's kind of the way to look at it, though, Kev, isn't it? Yeah, there's not a whole lot more to say about it. It didn't look. Uh, I'm a vintage Group Two on no. paper, and kind of a typical Goodwood race. There was uh, quite a bit of emphasis on looking running and so forth. The only thing and, that um, I would say about it is Dubai ran in that race and was beaten a length and a quarter, and then turned up again on Sunday. Uh, in the great race at Deauville, which we'll talk about later on, and was five and three quarter lengths behind Polydream. Now, maybe that race had taken it out of him, but... Um, like well, that... you, have, you have to remember, Emmett, that he is one of the best workhorses that Charity Appleby has now, ever had. Now, this is true, Kevin. You have told us this on numerous <laughs> occasions, and, of course, you are a huge fan. <laughs> Vanessa Ryle absolutely slammed you for that. <laughs> Rightly so, by the way. Rightly so. <laughs> What is wrong with you, Kevin? You never do this. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I after think, look, move I, on, move I, on. I think that his, does that. his proximity and then his, his beating in France just tell you an awful lot about this race? No, you couldn't read into it. You know, it, was, it was a quick backup. It was a quick backup. And look, I wouldn't be taking this form to the bank now. The way it was run, the way it panned out. Um, there was a, a deserving winner on the day, but yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. won't we won't take it forward with any great um, with any great regard. I don't think, to be brutally honest, couple, in terms of a piece of form. Couple to pick up on uh, a mouse. Does he just need to run at Leicester? Um, possibly not. He might just need soft ground. I think as much as any. And tip to win. God, that was disappointing. <laughs> It was, yeah, and I think Roger Teal was left scratching his head a little bit. Um, they may leave him alone for the rest of the season now, I think pending a couple, one or two more little things they want to suss out with, with him, but um, initial tests, couldn't find an obvious reason for that, but there you go, there you go, yeah. disappointed. Yeah, very much so. All right, uh, Mark Johnston got himself into the winner's enclosure with dark vision. Uh, on day one uh, in the Qatar Vintage Stakes. And uh, he can't stop watching that race. I'm sure as we record the Final Furlong podcast right now, he is currently there re-watching the replays, which ends up on the front page of the national publication of racing. I wonder, Kevin Blake, and now I'm only just putting my thinking cap on here. I'm spitballing, but I wonder if the reason that Mark Johnston is quoted as saying... I was going to do the Scottish accent, then I decided I better not, because Mark Johnston's actually quite a big guy. Uh, is the reason that Mark Johnston is publicly saying, oh, I can't stop watching the replays of Dark Vision, wasn't he brilliant, because he still has a piece of the ownership of the horse and is looking for, I don't know, Sheikh Mohammed to come in with a huge offer? <laughs> um yeah, he was very cheaply bought this horse, to be fair to all the team there. They've had a great run with them. Um, and they always do you know, throw up these these real nice horses for, for small money, often with big pedigrees, and they take a chance on them when other people um, are walking away for, for different reasons. And this fella, you know, 15 grand as a yearling, um, big old hulk of a thing. And look, they went, they went too quick early on here. You know, the sections confirm that. And he was held up, held up out of all that, um, out of all that bluster, and swept through, and won well, you know. So the, the the visuals of what he did, you know, you have to bear in mind that context that they were going too fast in front, but um, he ran his race very efficiently, and it, it would be a stretch. I wouldn't go so far as to say he was flattered 
Um, but this was this was very good. That the overall time was good. Um, he looked he looked a smashing horse. He looked a smashing horse. Not a million miles off the better two year olds we've seen all season, I'd say. And um, maybe maybe just maybe we might see him over in this neck of the woods for the for the national stakes, which yeah, he's, he's he, entered for. He's he's entered and, in uh, the champ- he's entered the champagne stakes the day before, but. It really would be fun to see him come over to the Curra and run in the Vincent O'Brien National Stakes. Yeah, he's a Group Two winner now, so this would be the natural the natural progression. He'd meet some um, some nice hard colts out of Bally Doyle, but um, I don't think anyone should be as afraid as they normally would be to take them on, given the the, the well publicised health issues in the stable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think his Mark Johnson and his owners can be very much dreaming of of. You know, a Group One bid in the near future. This is a smashing horse. We will see some of Aidan O'Brien's juveniles, his top juveniles, in action this weekend, and we'll talk about that on Thursday's podcast. From Kevin and I are back to look ahead to the weekend. Well, the Shergar Cup to discuss, but the Phoenix Stakes at the Curra uh, will be the big one. How highly do you regard Dark Vision in the juvenile picking order right now? Well, he's up amongst them. He's up amongst the best. He's not far off the top at all. Now, to be fair to us. Okay. Anything else that you would like to highlight from day one? No, Wednesday. Wednesday is what we need. In which case, Kevin Blake, the final race was won by a horse called Move Swiftly, which means we will move swiftly along. I'll see what I did there, Kev. Uh, to <laughs> day two. And he did it. He finally went and did it. Lightning Spear is a Group 1 winner. This time in the Qatar, Sussex Stakes, not a dry eye in the house as my pockets were completely empty. Lee McKenzie <laughs> and Rupert Bell were doing the uh, the video feature with me in the parade ring beforehand. And uh, it's great fun hooking up with my TalkSport colleagues because normally we're in studios in various different parts of the world uh, on air together. But to actually meet up and be working together is, is great fun. And the two guys are absolute legends. But... Um, I, I will just say for after timing purposes that I tipped two winners. Dash, but, but I destroyed it all, Kevin. It's no good putting up. Uh, who did I put up, actually? Little it Rockefeller. Doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> it's no good p- putting up Little Rockefeller as your nap of the day. Oh, oh right? here, this is shameless. And putting up Rumble in the Jungle when Lee McKenzie says, I quite fancy Lightning Spear, and you storm off in a huff from the camera for dramatic effect purposes to be like, ha ha ha, he's got no chance. And then he goes and wins quite comfortably in the end. Um, look, he's seven. He's still a full horse. Talk to me first of all about how difficult it is to keep a horse on the go in training when they are still a full horse at the age of seven. Um, sure, it depends on the individual. Um, some would be tougher than others. Um, Yates is a good example. He was tough because he was a very much a hardy fella. Yeah. And he took he took a lot of management. I don't know what this fella is like in terms of his temperament, but um, they you know they wouldn't all be tough. They wouldn't all be tough. Some just have have naturally docile temperaments, even as you know, um, full horses at that sort of age. So uh, it wouldn't be for me to comment now without having direct experience with, with, with the horse but um, I, you can only what be delighted for him and I know he had a million goals and didn't do it before this and it's natural to want to question the, 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 you know, the level of the race that would allow him to win one given how many times he's failed but it's never been through lack of trying to be fair to him and he has put in some, some, some top efforts in group one company you know and he deserved it. He deserved mm. it. You know, you, you, this was a messy race, very messy. 
uh, very unsatisfactory in many ways. And I, I think, um, I think I said it um, in the press room in Galway um, immediately afterwards. It says you don't, you don't, um, you don't appreciate the the job the Ballytoil pacemakers do until you don't have them, and uh, you end up with a real messy race like this because the you know group ones you need pace in the race yeah. you know and i and i've said this for years some people don't like horses being put in there to make the running but it makes the whole thing fair for everyone uh it, it increases the likelihood of the best horse winning and in a situation like this where nothing really wanted to lead um you the favorite without parole made the running didn't suit him ran terrible um expert high I was really impressed with Expert Eye, to be to be honest. I, I didn't think this would work out for him. Uh, I think I my view all along was that he was a sprinter, and what looked on paper likely to be a steadily run mile around a track like this, I just feared that he he'd very much run away. Um, but he wasn't too bad considering how prominent he was. He didn't get a whole lot of cover. Um, he settled okay. Yeah. Um, I would have I would have expected him to be much uh, more rank than he was. Um. And he stuck at it well. He stuck at it well. He got into the race earlier than ideal. And he's run a storm around. For me, he's the one to take from it. I think back in, I think he's certainly done enough here to justify another go at a mile. Hopefully, um, a strongly run mile. Because you have to remember that his very best effort was in the Jersey Stakes over seven. And that was very much a truly run seven. Big field with a strong pace. He didn't have that pace here. So that, that compromised him. Exactly, yeah. So a bit more pace, more cover. He'll be a better horse, and um, if he met Lightning Spear again, I I know who I'd want to be with. But that's to take nothing away from Lightning Spear. Um, great for everyone involved with him to have a, a day like this. I'm sure um, it would have been as sweet a success as any that um, you know the Qatar Racing setup have even have. You know, I know that there's there'll be more important Group Ones perhaps uh, in the past, but. When you have a lad like him that's been around for so many years knocking on the door, um, they must have thought at this point that after he got short-headed at Newbury that it just wasn't going to happen for him. That might have been the best chance he'd ever get to win a Group 1. And he's come out and won a six stakes. And you'd, you'd, be, you'd need a hard old heart now not to be happy for him yeah. uh, and his connections. So I, I would stand and applaud uh, Lightning Spear. But, you know, a little bit like the, the Lennox, you know, in the, in the cold light of day, I don't think it's unreasonable to, to throw stones at the farm either. Well, for those of you who kept the faith when Hector tipped him up on the podcast two years ago, oh, Jesus. You, you finally got <laughs> That's your a long award. time ago, yeah. <laughs> Hector back in the show uh, before the end of the year, by the way. But um, yeah, you finally, Hector, you got it. You got the money finally. Uh, Lightning Spirit gets his group one. Was that two or three years ago? I think that was two years ago, and I think he didn't run. I think he got I think withdrawn. It was, I think it was... Couldn't have been three, could it? He ran there two years ago. He did, yeah. Goodwood. So I'd say it was three years ago. God, oh my, Hector, my people will call your people. We'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. We'll get you back on soon. I was talking to him not so long ago. <laughs> He'll be back on soon enough. Um, yeah, I remember the enthusiasm that he had for the horse as well. It's like... Get the, the money lightning on. Spear. The lightning spear, boys. Get the money on. Can't be beefs. <laughs> Um, 16th attempt at Group 1 Company he had won twice at Goodwood to be fair to him so it was there um, let's talk about some of the others 
Lord Glitters. Oh, sorry, I should say, actually, I, I neglected to, to give praise where it was due there to Oshie Murphy. He, he yes. gave him a storm and ride. He was a bit emotional confidence. afterwards, and I, I, I quite like that. I wonder, does Oshie feel as though, and I'm not criticizing him at all because I would fully much agree with the idea that this is a man who will be at the top of the table for a very long time. But I wonder, does he feel as though he could have won the lock-in, she could have won the Queen Anne? Because there were so many close calls with him. And now well, it's finally maybe, happened. Maybe so, but look, Oshin has ridden him in the vast majority of his starts. So he's very much been, you know, he rode him for the first time, you know, over three years ago. So he's very much been a big part of, of the Lightning Spear journey. Yeah. And just just the fact that he won, I'd say, I can only imagine he was over the moon. He would have known himself that he gave the horse a storm and ride as well. Just confidence, confidence, wait, wait, wait. Wait some more, count to five, wait a little bit more, then go. You know, and it just, it, it was magic to watch, really. To and be he fair traveled because there was a stage where it looked as though Beat the Bank and Gustav Klimt were the two that were going to swoop and finish. Then Expert Eye is the one who looks like he's going to win. But all that time, when you're looking at those horses, you can see Lightning Spears absolutely cruising. And just in my mind, I was just thinking, oh, well, he's just going to do his usual thing of he'll be second or he'll be third. And suddenly, whoosh, he's gone through. It was. It was really great to see. Um, he's obviously an older miler, and he's won. Talk to me about Lord Glitters and Beat the Bank. Is that just they, that bunch, accidental agent who's going to take on, um, very importantly in France, uh, will be taking on Alpha Centauri? Are they all just much of a muchness? Um, yes, in a word. Um, that race last got was a little bit funny the way it panned out. Um, we, we, we suspected that the form might not be all that strong going forward and they've both run very well here but yeah just a just a little bit below um, what is generally required at group one level i think it's fair to say gustav klimt is unbeaten in three outings over seven furlongs would that suit him better yeah sure look it's worth a go at this stage i think they've given him every opportunity over a mile and um while he's run very well um on occasion it doesn't quite look like he he is what you need to win an all age group once over a mile. So um, perhaps the pre little foray, something like that, might suit him. Yeah, arc weekend. So in October for him possibly, and without parole, Kevin, who, as you said at the start of the show, was bitterly, bitterly disappointing. Um, just just talk me through. Give me your impression of it first of all. Oh, I just don't think he was suited by making the running. It's probably as simple as that. Um, it's probably as simple as that. There was a bit of juice in the ground, which was a concern for me because I think he needed a road and and the tactics as well. But even allowing for the fact that he made the running and even allowing for the fact that there was a bit of juice in the ground, he still can't beat so beloved and Lord Glitters. Like, it was a pretty miserable performance from him. Yeah, it was. It was, it was disappointing now, but I wouldn't like to judge him too harsh, to be honest. Uh, he's still fairly early on in, in the journey of his career, I think. And um, one would hope he'd leave this behind going forward. Okay. Would you go to 10 furlongs for the judgment with him? <sighs> It'd be a tough judgment, I'd say. Um, I'd like to see him over 10 at some stage, so I wouldn't knock it. I wouldn't knock it, but I think they might. Yeah, tough one. Maybe you wait till Tough Champions one. Day. Champions Day might be an easier one. I don't think there'll be any soft touches now, so maybe maybe they might just kick on. You know, it's 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 only a gap of three weeks or so, so they might not want to go just based on the gap. But um, we'll see. Okay, 
let's move on so to the Mulcom stakes. Now, you thought the Dark Vision was the absolute business. I thought Rumble in the Jungle was the absolute business. Talk to me about this performance from Richard Spencer's cult. Yeah, it sure wasn't a great for Richard Spencer. Obviously, burst on the scene last season with it with his Coventry re- winner, um, yeah. Raja Singh. And then he's got another right good one here, to be fair. Um, the horse went to Ascot, um, quietly fancied. I think it's fair to say, showed up well for an awful long way, showed speed, but was undone. And what was, you know, not a, it didn't look as strong Norfolk at the time, but it, it might not have been too bad. Um, and look, this this is a very fast five furlongs and the emphasis on speed uh, very much suited him well. And he was impressive, wasn't he? Like, you know, he ultimately won well. Um, was given a, you know, a slightly quieter ride um, here than he than he was at Ascot, and that, that probably just suited him a little bit. And um, you know, a good one for for a big one for Bungle in the Jungle, uh, first season sire, having loads and loads of winners. Uh, stands at Rathasker Stud here in Ireland, but you know he was having loads of winners, loads of precocious winners. But it's very important uh, for for a new stallion to have. A sexy, classy horse, uh, and now he's got one because you know it isn't enough really to have loads of winners. Um, I don't think the market really buys into that. You need good horses yeah. for the market to really buy into to to a new sire, and especially one that you know he would have stood for you know five six grand all along. So um, having lots of cheap speed winners isn't enough generally for a horse like that to bring them to the next level. They need good ones, and he's very much got a good one here. Um, group a, a, a easy group three winner um, is is a big help for for him and um, out of a dark angel mayor yes which which is which is interesting you know dark angel uh, as a broodmare sire sire they're starting to come we're starting to see some offspring of dark angel mares now obviously given his age there won't be a whole lot of them uh, on the ground but he's he's had a couple of good ones to be fair um, this would be. Oh, Havana Gray is out of is out of a Dark Angel mare. I think that'd be the very best one so far. Um, but there there wouldn't be mountains of them. So, you know, as well as being a very good sire, it looks like he could potentially um give a bit of a kick through as a broodmare sire as well. Yeah, which of course is crucial in in the bloodstock world. I took the view going into this day that the Norfolk was the stronger race than than the Windsor Castle. The more I looked at it, the more I thought. And it may very well have been a value perspective that I was looking for, but I was I was reasonably confident about him. Um, we then saw Landforce go and win, so we'll talk about him again as well. Soldier's Call obviously came from the Windsor Castle instead. No real excuses on the day, Kevin. He was just put in his place, I thought. Yeah, I wouldn't like to make too many excuses for him now. Um, he was he was obviously very heavily backed on the day, you know, representing a trainer in Archie Watson that's made great headway this year. Big time, yeah. And very you know, exciting great, career ahead of him. Yeah, he's got some good opportunities there from Clipper Logistics, um, and he's made the best of them. Obviously, this fellow to win at Royal Ascot is a huge thing for any trainer, especially a young one that's you know very much getting going. And uh, and look, this was it was fine, it was fine, but it was just fine. It wasn't quite grand. We've already had so our Galway review is up with the excellent Jane Mangan. We've I've put the call out for a, a meme to be made of Kevin Blake Productions, which has been done. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> if you want to make another one, I'll be happy to get it, please. Um, but we need a meme of Kevin Blake and fine, just fine. If we have the ranking of grand, fine, 
How would you rate them, Kevin? Which is, go back to his again, which is higher and which is lower? Oh, how do we start it off? It starts off with, um, it starts off with fine, then it goes up to grand, and then it goes up to quite well, well. I think that's the way it goes. Yeah, I think that's the way it goes. All right. Can you please... (laughs) Or or, or quite good or good. Can you can you please make a meme for us with Kevin Blake's rankings of, and we'll make a T-shirt out of that. Uh, I probably need to form. I probably need to formalize that, don't I? <laughs> you probably do. Probably do. Have a think about it before the end of the podcast. Um, vintage brute, two hundred eighty thousand pounds, well spent. Ah, stop! Don't be slagging, fellas. It's very important people spend money, Kennedy. <laughs> and there's you running them down, slagging them. <laughs> Be ashamed of yourself. Ah, uh, sure. Listen, what can you do? I tell you what, though. What a performance from Little Rockefeller. Oh man, this was absolutely sensational. Um, you gotta be, you gotta be taken with whenever Sylvester D'Souza is booked on a stair, because he is like, first of all, he's a top class jockey, uh, with the exception of him getting beat in the Coronation Cup. SDS, <laughs> you should have won. You should have cut the nose off of Cracksman, and you should have won. Uh, but put him on a stair, and he is just different class. And little Rockefeller, he just, he takes your heart away, doesn't he? He absolutely pummeled them. Well, D'Souza won't be getting the ride in this fella again, will he? <laughs> 15 lengths, D'Souza, what are you doing? The handicap mark is gone, man. 17 pounds he got. Official rating of 82. What are you thinking? I would have pulled him off the horse and gave him a bait. <laughs> 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 31,000 listen there were valuable staying handicaps to be won with this fella yeah fucking ages unbelievable <laughs> um, um, great performance no, it, wasn't it, it though it yeah, really it was, was. Fun. it was fun to watch wasn't it it was fun to watch um, he, he was deadly he was absolutely deadly and proved to be thrown in um, quite a bit less thrown in now having yeah. got up 70 pounds absolutely <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm sure his connections won't mind uh, job done good good part one and uh you know one i know he only won a handicap of 82 but one with such authority that you know it wouldn't be a million to one that he could make uh, excuse me could that he could make the um the step up into you know stakes company over staying trips yeah um you know he's a seven-year-old there's no point in hanging about i suppose uh, they probably want to give him his go and something like that maybe he could you know off 99 he could run in any of the, the big staying handicaps you know a Cesarewitch or something like that if, if they so wished but um, he, he's on the up and this was impressive yeah he hadn't run on the flat since his Richard Hannon days back in 2014 I think it was 1,166 days from looking at the race card memory that he'd been off the off the flat um, and you could view last season Kev over jumps as a bit of a disappointment but he still did win a grade 2 so no and he's only oh, yeah. seven. He's only seven as well. There's still a lot there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, wouldn't wouldn't knock the little fella out. Anything even else that not, you would like? He's not to... little at all. That's just a, a reference to his name. Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to talk about on day two? No, that'll do me. I reckon. I think we're well covered. I will mention the fact that um, last year Goodwood had a a fashion campaign on Twitter called hashtag Feel Glorious. And uh, connections of a horse in training with George Baker got in touch with Goodwood and said, we'd like to name a horse Feel Glorious. Would you be okay with that? 
To which Sam and the marketing team replied, well, is she any good? Like, is she is she all right? And the connections went, yeah, yeah, we think she's quite good. So they went, yeah, fine, great. Uh, you know, if you can make it to good with her, we'd, we'd be delighted. And turned out, wasn't very good at all until she lined up in the Victoria Racing Club Maiden Philly Stakes over six furlongs and won at 125 to one. <laughs> Cue the marketing team going absolutely ballistic at Goodwood, including one of them falling to tears. A man, by the way, in tears would feel glorious winning, but uh, delighted for them because they work very, very hard there. And uh, fair play, it was some sight. And <laughs> you, are you looking? Are you looking for a fake job with Goodwood? <laughs> I want to acknowledge hard work when it's done. And I tell you, it's not until you get there that you see, like, so it's all right for us. We swan in in the morning, and then we kind of like collapse out of there in, in the evening time. They're there till late at night. Um, and it must be some, it must be some, uh, something to put together, but, uh, a nice touch. I don't think any of them backed, backed her, by the way, at 125 to one, but there was one guy in the press room who had backed him, her, I should say at 290 to one. Well done to you, sir. Uh, works for race news. Don't know how you picked up a fair play. Um, let's all get plastered, Kevin. Good man, Rory Delargy, currently on holidays somewhere in Ireland drinking the plastered money uh, as she got up quite impressively to win the Lily Langtry Stakes. Big moment for David Egan, now a professional jockey with the claim gone. Uh, Roger Varian stuck with him. Great two. And she goes and wins just about from made up. Star Rock back in third. Uh, she's an exciting young filly going places. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was, uh, it didn't look likely for a brief moment. Um, but overcame the trouble in running and, and got up and got the job done. And um, when you're a three-year-old filly that stays this well, um, there's good options there, I think. Um, it, this was, this represented a good step in the right direction. Look, she's clearly progressing very well. Um, yeah, I, I look forward to seeing her again. You know, it'll be interesting to see what road they go down with her and where do they you know, keep her around these staying distances or look to come back to a mile and a half. Um yeah, and not plenty to like about her now. You know, by Nathaniel, a real, a real influence for stamina. They seem to get better with age. So um, this was only the fourth run of her life. So you'd be very hopeful that she could do even more going forward. So her wins had come in the all-weather. Um, there doesn't seem any reason to think that she wouldn't be able to drop back in trip. I guess it's just a case of would she be capable in Group 2 company back uh, at uh, 12 furlongs? Oh, look, winning a Group 2 with a filly is such a big thing. You know, and it's very much job done now. Mm. Um, I suspect she'd be fine back at a mile and a half. Um, plenty of pace in front of her would be no harm at all. And uh, yeah, like you know, there's there's Phillies only right? group ones. They're over a mile and a half. That um, that could appeal. And I wouldn't be surprised if if they give her her opportunity in a race like that. Okay. Um, one of the big talking points of the day was obviously Wild Illusion, winner in Group One Company in the uh, Grand Prix Marcel, Total Prix Marcel Buzak, um, back on Arc Day uh, on the 1st of October when it was run as Shanti. The horse that finished behind her, Kevin Blake? Um, oh, Time's up, um, hotshot, Polydream. Yeah, uh, Magical go. was back in fourth, so that form is working out pretty well. And I thought tactically William Buick was just brilliant on Wild Illusion here. He he timed this perfectly. Uh, and in the end, she's she's gone away quite well from a Group 1 winner in Urban Fox. 
Rhododendron, a bitter disappointment. We'll come to her in a minute, but uh, this is Wild Illusion's moment in the sun as a three-year-old, and she very much deserved it. Yeah, it was great to see it now. She had a bit of an exposed look to her after, you know, her, her three runs uh, earlier in the season, you know. Um, I thought the Oaks was potentially her big day because uh, I think she's a filly that will always appreciate a bit of an ease in the ground. And she ran very well and was just beaten fair and square by Forever Together. And then she was beaten fair and square by Magic Wand on, on much firmer ground. But uh, maybe this is just her trip. You know, she's run well over a mile, run well over a mile and a half. And now she's a Group 1 winner over 10 furlongs. And maybe that's just her trip. Hmm. Uh, but as much as anything, like you say, this was about tactics and a ride. And William Buick was allowed to get away with setting quite steady fractions. And he punished them and punished them well. Um, and, and that's the story of this race, I think, as much as anything. So whether it was the trip, whether it was the, the switch to the front running uh, or a combination of both, um, she seemed to come forward. And, uh, you yeah, know, she's a Group 1 winner. She had a bit more pace than I thought, Kev. I, th- I thought that the 12 furlongs was going to be quite key to her, but William Buick was at pains to stress afterwards that he was of the feeling that dropping back and trip would actually suit her. Uh, Yorkshire Oaks is next that would mean going back up to 12 what would you do with her um, yeah sure look why not you know we know she stays mm. she definitely stays um, a bit of ease in the ground would be a help you know I, you'd probably if you could get away with front running again without getting hassled um, that would be the way to go I'd say but um, yeah look this, this was very much a step in the right direction £340,000 for Godolphin and uh, back in the winner's enclosure with Wild Illusion after her Group 1 win as a juvenile. Urban Fox picks up £129,000. we have already talked about the nice story with the owners. A good bit of placing again from William Haggis. Uh, that's probably her, her form level, really, because we were talking about the Pretty Polly as being a really excellent piece of placing that Forever Together needs further and Coolmore were trying to get away with it on the day. But... 129,000 per second, I'll take that. And more importantly, the black type on your page as well. Yeah, she's a Group 1 winner. Um, any additional black type is only a help. And yeah, like you say, well-placed. She's been a very well-placed filly this year. Voracious and Bilsden Brook? Um, yeah, ran fine, ran fine, just fine. Uh, you know, run of the race maybe didn't go for them. I think they could have done with more, with more pace in the race. Um, didn't get it and you know paid the price and the 15 to 8 favourite who was second favourite the week before Rhododendron yeah look you just be you know stable form would obviously come into your mind um, I don't think a, a slowly run 10 furlongs would really be her cup of tea anyway um, I think she would always like more pace in front of her and um, look, just didn't work out. She was well below form. What more can you say than that? And yet, Kevin Blake, in the race just before that, the Group 2 Richmond Stakes, it was a victory for the No Nay Never Land Force. No Nay Never's progeny are absolutely flying it this season. Well backed into favouritism. And I would say beat the right horse in the race as well, because you were talking about Maurice Diamond really needs to be taken seriously now after his win at the Curra, that he's an improving horse for Mark Johnston and that it shouldn't just be a case of that, you know, he's he's level enough, that he is improving and we should respect him more. He's run a fine race, but Land Force has dispatched with him pretty easily in the end. He has, to be fair, and was very, very heavily backed on the, on the day. He'd won what looked a pretty run-of-the-mill listed race at Tipperary time before, but this was very much a step up and like to be fair, if you look at his his form arc, 
like he's getting better with every start really isn't he yeah you know he's taking a step forward with every start um and you know he's he's not slow he's a pacey type of two-year-old and he put that to go juice here um you know marie's diamond is a lovely hardy two-year-old and that certainly ran up to form and maybe even took another another half a step forward but um yeah land force this was all about him wasn't it uh great pedigree you know a family that um anyone that follows pedigrees would know very well you know goes cassandra go halfway to heaven um all those horses um that that, that has produced they've it's just produced an abundance of, of tip-top race horses there in the last 10 years or so um cassandra go she won off the top of my head she won one of the group one sprints at ascot and i'm going to double check here yes she won the king stand as uh, when that was a group two um, back in 1992, otherwise known as 2001, so it wasn't that long. It wasn't that long ago, to be fair. Um, but yeah, no name ever as well. Um, he's he's flying. He's absolutely flying. And as we talked about in the context of Bungle in the Jungle, you know, first season sires, even those with you know bigger profiles like No Name Ever, who would have stood, you know, I think his first couple of seasons, you know, between 15 and 20 thousand euros. Um, they all need good horses yeah. um, in, in their first crop. And, and he's got a few already. He's, Land Force leads him up now, but, you know, Neverland Rock, Cosmic Law, um, Servaland horses like that. He's he's getting nice stakes horses, uh, which is what you need to keep the whole to keep the whole momentum going forward. And, uh, you know, Coolmore are very much looking, were, were, and I suppose that still are, in a way, looking for uh, a sire son of Scat Daddy, and uh, while they have a few exciting ones to come in future, um, this fellow is making a very good start. And who knows, he might end up being the best of them. Yeah, he was a really good horse for Wesley Ward. Uh, and obviously was a, a Royal Ascot winner. A high-class sprinter at two and three. Uh, won the Prix Mornay as well for Wesley Ward. Uh, just looking at the sales results, £850,000 for a, high chaper- a horse out of a high chaparral mare uh, that is yet to be named. 420,000 for uh, uh, Almakea, Neverland Rock, 480,000, all the King's Men, 400. They're going for a lot of money. Yeah, the sales results were very, very strong, you know, to the point where um, Coolmore did, did a very unusual thing in that they raised his fee this year just before his first runners ran. And that would be very much in contrast with what would normally happen. Normally, um, in the season just before a, a sire is to have their first runners, you'd actually get great deals of most studs that give you discounts um, to use a sire that year because it would be seen as an especially high-risk year to use a stallion because if um, you know, you're know you going to have two lots of runners for that stallion before you sell whatever you, you get, you know. Yeah. So even if your your judgment is okay at the start, and you know the sire has a has a good few winners as a two year old. You still won't be able to sell your foal until those two year olds or three year olds. So you could you could find yourself you know at the end of the day most stallions fail. So um, you you probably wouldn't even get that far. You know most of the time if you use such a stallion in that year, you'll be left with a bit of a dud because the the sire will be totally ice cold by the time you sell your foal. But even if their first two year olds run well. They can blob as three-year-olds, and all of a sudden the market's very cold in them when you're selling your foals. So normally, you could expect a very good discount from a stud um, for using a stallion in in that in that fourth season. But Coolmore actually put up the price. They put it up from seventeen and a half to to twenty-five, 
um, in response to the, the, the very good sales results that they had as yearlings. Uh, for memory, they did the same with Camelot, and that, that has obviously worked out okay. And, uh, God, I think that was the first one, first such one for an awful long time. It's a very unusual thing. Um, but clearly, the, the two off the top of my head I can remember um, were Camelot and No Name Ever. And, um, yeah, I think anyone that... That got stuck in in that fort in that dangerous, typically dangerous fourth season. Um, is probably on pretty good terms with themselves at the minute. I would think so. What interests me is that his initial fee was twenty thousand in twenty fifteen, and then they dropped it to seventeen and a half for two years, and then, as you say, up to twenty five thousand now. I suspect it'll be considerably more next year to take your mare to no name ever. Um, it it'll probably probably be higher. Um, he would want to get a Group One winner, I think, to justify a good jump because you know twenty five grand is plenty. Mm. Um, he 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 probably want a Group One winner to justify a good nudge from there. Just to elaborate um, on on that fee, Kevin, that is for a live fall on the ground. That's when you pay the twenty five k. Um, it, it depends. You know, different studs have different terms. Um. No full, no fee would be a common thing. Um, some of the, the bigger farms with the more high-profile stallions, they would have what, what, what would be called October 1st terms in that you would expect you'd be, you would be expected to pay for the nomination um, by October 1st after the mayor has been covered. So you pay before you know what the mayor has had. And so you're, if, you're, the, the mayor has been scanned in full and then you pay? Yeah, if you, you would typically scan your mare on October 1st to make sure they're still in foal. And if they are, um, you would be billed for that nomination. Um, and if it so happened that the mare lost the pregnancy along the way or, or had um, a stillbirth or something along those lines, um, you would basically, you, you would offer, it, it all depends. Like every, every deal is different, but you would be entitled to a free return generally to the same stallion the following season. Okay. Um, you, you could, they could give you, you know, shop credit, you know, there's various different ways, and some some farms would give you a refund. Um, again, but it, it all depends. You know, there's no there's no set standard for that sort of thing. So it's a case of individual farms offering individual terms generally. Just because people have become more and more interested in the bloodstock side of things, which we are going to do a couple of bloodstock specials on the Final Furlong podcast. Uh, Miss Vanessa Ryle will be back for those, and we'll talk to some to some people in the know. Uh, Kevin's got someone in mind. I've got someone in mind. So yeah, uh, hopefully you will enjoy that. And that'll be a standalone special that we'll do in the next few weeks or so. Uh, bred by John Magner's mother, can Land Force be a Group 1 winner for Aidan O'Brien? Have you be brave to say he couldn't. Um, with the, that, the, the aforementioned arc of improvement, he's clearly getting better. Um, and, you know, when these O'Brien two-year-olds progress, you know, you just don't know where you'll end up. Um, he's in the Phoenix Stakes on Sunday. I have no idea if he's going to run. That would obviously be quite a quick backup. But it wouldn't be a million to one. It no. wouldn't be a million to he's one. He's done it before. Yeah, look, he's a Group 2 winner now. You know, he could. He might wait for the... Uh, no, I was going to say he could wait for the middle park. Um, but they, they probably want to run him before then. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. It'll be. It'll be. They've, they've got a good, a good strong entry in the Phoenix. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what they run. I believe advertise is going to go over. Uh, excuse me for Martin Mead. So that that will he will bring you know a strong level of form for the, the home team to come up against. Um, I, I think Aidan O'Brien might have ten of the fourteen entries. Um, well, I can tell you exactly who Aidan has entered right now: Van Beethoven, the Irish Rover, so perfect. Sergei Prokofiev. Actually, it's Sergei, isn't it? 
Sergi. I think it's Sergi, yeah. Because <laughs> we've gotten several tweets from people saying, get it right, Kennedy, it's Sergi. So, Sergi Prokofiev. Uh, <laughs> Northwind, Land Force, Just Wonderful, Gossamer Wings, Fantasy, and Fairyland. Yeah, you'd, look, you'd imagine Ser- Sergi would be the, the big one. Sergi? Um, you would think, Sergi? but um, if Land Force turned up, uh, he would have claims to be the farm horse in there as well. So, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see what they're on. We'll see what they're on. It'd be a ten-day gap for Land Force, and that wouldn't be wouldn't be a million to one now, no. given that that Aiden has been, you know, quite aggressive in his campaigning uh, this season. Hey, it worked for U.S. Navy flag. Didn't do him any harm, now, did it? Didn't do him any harm at all as he bids to go uh, for the Everest. Anything else that you would like to discuss? Uh, from NASA Stakes Day on the Thursday at Goodwood. No, that's good for me again. Yeah. In which case, we will roll swiftly along to the Friday, where the star performer was obviously Batash. <laughs> God, I got this horse wrong. Take Cover couldn't even give him a lead. First of all, Goodwood did a feature on Take Cover. Watch it. It's on Twitter. What an absolute legend of a horse and a pleasure he is to see for the Griffiths team. And he's run an absolute stormer again in this race. But he's a real speedball. And he makes the running, and not even he could get Batash uh, off the bridle or could give Batash a lead. Batash just went, good night, good luck, see you later, burned them all off. Um, he's a horse that we've called a few names in the podcast over the Have we? couple of seasons. <laughs> uh, I, I believe one of the quotes was, and to be fair, this was a Charlie Hills quote, he embarrassed himself and the entire stable when they took him to Royal Ascot. Uh, as a juvenile because he just got all cultish and worked up and made an absolute embarrassment of himself uh, when they were pretty confident that he was going to win the big juvenile race in the day, which I believe is the Windsor Castle Stakes. Yeah, Coventry would have been the big juvenile race in the day, but he was very fancied for that race. And he was a disgrace. And it's not since he was gelded that he's really... He was gelded straight after that, actually. Um, but last season, obviously, announced himself on the scene. And it was this race that that he showed everybody how good he could be and yes he was disappointing behind Marsha at York but Shanti um, Haydock fine run at Royal Ascot and now a four length beating of, of take cover he's right back on top of things and is a really top class sprinter oh he is um, best sprinter in the world perhaps um, you know to give three controversial I don't think it is. I think officially he's pretty much he's there, I think. Actually, for those um, of you who will remember the tweet, I think it's very important that we give uh, a shake of a hand, a high five, and a like on Twitter to David Cleary, who tweeted, oh, yeah. delighted to see the best horse in the world going with a good one. Because <laughs> he got a hurricane of abuse uh, for, for talking this horse up big time last year. Justice, justice for David Cleary. Yeah, and look, he, he when he's good, he's brilliant. You know, we saw it, you know, three times, definitely two times, maybe three times last season. And um, this was the first time we've really seen it from him this season. Um, he's brilliant. He's just really fast and he's just very, very good. And when he behaves himself, he, he's just deadly. And, you know, I suspect, and I could be totally wrong, I suspect he could be even a smidgen better uh, when there's a small bit of knees in the ground. Um, so you know he's he he's a fun horse to watch. Jeez, this was exciting. Yeah, this was exciting. This was one of those performances now that kind of that makes you stop and go, whoa, nice. Uh, it was brilliant. You know, there's not much more to say about it. It was just really, really good. 
Um, you know, being a gelding, you just hope that the wheels stay firmly on um, for as long as possible because he's a horse that you, you'd love to see run many times every season because he's just fun. When he's on, he's just fun to watch. And uh, this was this was brilliant. Over five furlongs, it's very difficult to see anything that could stop him. What's next for him? Does he go to York? Uh, Does he go to France? Could they bring in the Breeders' Cup this time around? Because you're mentioning the fact that he's a gelding. Like, he can keep on going as long as he stays sound. And that's not always a, a given with horses. But would you go international with him? Would you Would you take him to America? Would you go back to France, go with the similar profile to last year? What would you do with him? I'd love to set up some sort of, uh, not quite a match race, but... Let, let, I would call it a match race. Let's set up a match race between him and Harry Angel over five. Oh, let's do it. That's a that's a race I want to see. Come on, Clive. Drop Harry back to five. You know it's the right thing to do. Five million of your money. Five million of your money. Put it together. Let's go. <laughs> this is on. Hamdan and Shake Mo smash up. <laughs> Finally. Victor oh. takes Dubai. <laughs> um yeah because you're you are adamant that harry angel wants five oh i'd love to see it yeah i'd love to see it that would be that would be a fun fun race um but yeah he he's brilliant batash um he he really is yeah Uh, fun horse to watch i just hope to i hope he keeps behaving himself and stays sound because he's a horse you'd love to see come back again and again because he's uh he's unusually good yeah you know, I don't think we see a horse, a sprinter this good all that often. And that's, that is high praise indeed from the man who, who bred one of the greatest sprinters of all time, George Bowen. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about in a bit more depth a little bit later on. Um, before we move on from, from him, Kevin, I don't think there's any need to talk about anything else that day, but we should talk about Sioux Nation. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, disappointing. Disappointing. And was hoping for a much, much better there. Didn't happen. Uh, you know, it can't all be down to the, the stable form. I know we can't always um, assume it was that, but you would wonder. Um, I, I think he's a, he's way better than this. Yeah. Way better. Um, maybe the track was an issue. Maybe he wouldn't have run anywhere like this before. And maybe it caught him out. But oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm being a bit clutchy there, so I am. Yeah, I was really disappointed with that effort. Like, I didn't necessarily expect him to go and beat Patash, but I did at least think he'd he'd be involved in the finish or, or put it up to him in some way. And maybe you can put it down to the fact that Rhododendron didn't run her race either, and it is table form. But that was yeah, that was a, a back to the there we board. go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Bombay Sapphire glorious stakes, and I mentioned Bombay Sapphire just because longtime listener to the podcast Tony Deacon. And a load of his friends were all there enjoying the Richmond lawn, sitting back in white suits, looking like the man from Del Monte, having, having a great time. Uh, lovely to meet all of you lads. Tony, we get to meet up with a, a good bit, but uh, his, whole, his whole squad, with the exception of one, was there. And apparently the guy was really annoyed to be missing out on it. So saws about that. Uh, and also hello to Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, turns out Patrick Stewart's a great friend of Tony Deacon's. Didn't realize that. So, uh, yeah. 
so what are you on about? They were all getting stuck in to the beer, the champagne, the Bombay Sapphire, offering me some. Of course, couldn't drink any because I was on duty. But anyway. 99.9% of the listeners just are not feeling these, these, these good food anecdotes that the, mean nothing to no one, Kennedy. That's because you weren't there. Kev, send you were send, in send, the pouring rain. in your DMs. In so the pouring rain, Kevin. How many times have you given a mention? I, don't know, I must give a quick mention now to... By the way, my Kevin Blake impression is much better than Vanessa Royals. Uh, I must give a quick <laughs> mention there to a, a fellow who came up to me at the races. And, uh, <laughs> that doesn't happen. It does. <laughs> as listeners will, will, will well know. Uh, Mirage Dancer. So Sir Michael Stell has won this race with Hillstar and Cannock Chase, amongst others. Um, he won the Group 3 over a mile and four, and I thought did it quite well in the end. How much further can he go, Kev? Um, probably the best performance of his life, I think it's fair to say. Um, look, he, he'll meet much tougher challenges than this. Poor old Eminent ran bad again. I think he's oh. done. They're talking about they're talking about retiring him. Uh, they need to, Kevin. Uh, in all seriousness, they really need to. Well, they don't they don't need to, but he, he's clearly not um not operating at the same level. Well, I tell you this, he either needs to come to, he needs to come over for an oil change or he needs to be retired. <laughs> because something's not right with him. <laughs> um yeah, look, he's not operating at the same level he once was, but anyway, Mir- Mirage Dancer um, was good here. Uh, like you look at the arc of his form like uh, maybe it's just the case that he's a slow mature you know typical Sir Michael Stout improver oh he'll be um, great as a five year old yeah but th- this was a good performance he'll, he'll have he'll encounter deeper waters um, but this performance would entitle would entitle him to have a spin at Group 1 company now um, which he's never done which is I'm slightly surprised here looking at this in front of me I had yeah. assumed he, he, he had contested one at some stage well he was always he's, he's ready for about. it now anyway yeah he was always talked about in that level wasn't he but they just for whatever reason haven't quite done it yet but yeah Group 1 next where would you go with him? Um, I see they're mentioning kind of international targets like your Canadian international your your Northern Dancer, um, they've mentioned the Melbourne Cup. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think he's done enough here to justify having a go at a domestic group one. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll leave it down to the lads. Okay. Doesn't doesn't hold any entries at the minute. No, certainly not in Great Britain or Ireland. So Michael Stead has won the Canadian International, hasn't he? I think oh, he I has. Assume he has. Yeah, I think he has. And, uh, yeah, that would be very, very interesting were they to send him there. Now, I'm sure that one of the top 35 under 35 was absolutely ecstatic with victory in the Unibet Golden Mile Handicap. I'm sure Prince Harry was punching the air with delight as the royal family, the queen, uh, succeeded with seniority. He turns up to a race course once and is named in the top 35 under 35. The, the funny thing about this list is Ken, Ken, Kennedy is very salty that he didn't get in. I couldn't uh, give a... Bre- bre- let bre- me, breaking bre- let breaking me, news. <laughs> Kennedy is not 35. Let me... Exactly, I'm 31. And he's not, and he's not 34 either. <laughs> let, me, let me put it to you this way. I think the person who summed up this article best is Lee Modisette. Um I don't know if you've read the article or not, Kevin, but I thought he put that absolutely brilliantly and perfectly it is absolutely nothing to do with who is named on the list, some of whom are exceptionally talented people within their own right, and some of whom will go on to huge success in the racing game. 
it is the list itself which is absolutely farcical and that um, is the I, I, I wouldn't it. I wouldn't you know I, I wouldn't spend any time talking about it really I'd like to think I'd like to think that this was a stroke of PR genius and this crowd came up with this I list really don't think the, it was the, so with the sole attention of winding people yeah up. I is really it, don't think it was if that's the case they're really clever but um, I suspect not look it's all a bit embarrassing I'd say uh, I know know a few people on there and uh, I'd say it's a bit it's all a bit embarrassing yeah. really, but lessons learned one would imagine but anyway, I know I wish we, I, I'm reluctant to elevate this by talking about it yeah anymore. you'll notice that we have not mentioned the particular bookmaker involved for obvious reasons and I had something, something to be said as well I know the whole thing was characterized as a very you know oh you have to you had to you know, be someone's son or someone's daughter to get on the list. That that wasn't the case with everyone now. We will do the final Furlong Podcast Top 35 Under 35 on next week's show, uh, where we are going to include um, <laughs> the, the the royal families, uh, the Prince of Monaco. And, and uh, Kevin Bulger will be on as and, well. And Kevin Bulger is going to be on that as well. And it's going to be <laughs> uh, exclusive invite only um, to the upper echelons of Irish and British and French Come on, society. move on, move on. Uh, Royal Gamble landed. Seniority wins for William Haggis. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the same with this one. <laughs> Can you think of the fact that Kevin Blake was at Galway, ladies and gentlemen? There you go. Right, uh, DXB. <laughs> he's, a, he's a choker. He's done. He's a bottler. He should be joining Eminent <laughs> in the retirement home. He's finished. He's Fuck. finito. He's absolutely rubbish. Um, he's been fairly well held here by cross counter. So I, I would very much blame Sylvester D'Souza for the Irish Derby defeat. I don't know what he was doing that day. Um, behind Kew Gardens in France, just didn't fire. And here he's been well put in his place by cross counter, who is now apparently ah. off to Australia. Yeah, look, I don't think that the team will look back on DXB and um, and and be all that happy with how he's they've campaigned him. I think, um, yeah, he's, he's been kept busy, you know, running on ground and tracks that might not be ideal for him. You know, they they were wondering did he handle the car all that well and gone downhill, and then they run him at Goodwood, and yeah, just. Uh, yeah 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 i wouldn't be throwing too many stones at the horse now i think he's just had a tough time of it um i think he's better than he's been showing in his last few starts but yeah that, that that'd be my view on it now take nothing away from cross counter but i don't think this was this was this clearly wasn't the best of dxb and um yeah i don't think it's necessarily all his fault but cross counter uh bolted up to be fair to him uh progressing very well and uh, will stay very well i think and, um, and yeah, look, lots to like about him. You know, I, I wouldn't be reading the form too literally, but um, going the right way. And um, yeah, nice horse going for, to go forward with. Yeah, absolutely. Just given the fact that Duke of Hazard won on the card, it allows me to do the Duke of Hazard reference. You can just imagine Waylon Jennings doing the voiceover. It looks like, looks like old DXB has got himself into quite a situation. Um, <laughs> he's been he's been so well backed, That's and obviously. <laughs> Him old Duke boys are at it again. Roscoe P. Coltrane. Oh, God. Um, I love that show. I have no idea what happened to Sir Michael Stout's filly because the market told you what was going to happen there and she got absolutely thumped. But Cross Counter is a gelding who will now apparently take in Australia next. And 
he's that kind of horse that Charlie Appleby can do really well with, you have to think. Yeah, look, he, he's got the ability there. Um, we all know that races at a mile or beyond in Australia are absolute Mickey Mouse. So Ridiculous races. He could go out, so he could go out there and absolutely clean up. He could, win, he could win nine group ones out there. Um, He'll beat Winks. Wouldn't that be fun? Drop <laughs> him back. Drop him back in trip. He'd beat her doing handstands. They've given her her own race now and elevated it to group one status, I see. Of course they have, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, like we've talked about this in the podcast before. They literally, the Australian authorities can literally just decide, do you know what? That that class five handicap there, Kempton, I think we'll make that a group one. Yeah, yeah. Go, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I just picture... Um... Who is the Oprah Winfrey? Here's a group one for you. A one for you. You get a group one. You get a group one. You get a group one. Wouldn't you love that for Georgie Bowen? Wouldn't it be fantastic? Oh, stop. Cheery me. Yeah, so look, he seems to handle fast ground really well, um, like most uh, progeny of Tia Fellow generally would. And yeah, kick on. Um, I'm sure he'll do really well out there. Um, he's a three-year-old, so he... You know, he'd, he'd essentially be three, treated as a four-year-old when he goes down there, but that's fine. Um, yeah, let's see how he gets on. I, I love seeing these horses that aren't quite um, top class in Europe going down to Australia and winning nine group ones. <laughs> it um, um, never fails to amuse. And it's all because, of course, they, they in inverted commas, improve when they go to Australia. Yeah, lads, that's what That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> they, they improve for the sunshine on their backs. Yeah, it's nothing to do with the fact that it's rubbish. Right, Kevin. How frustrated were you? I, I love, I love Aussie baiting. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's my favorite hobby. <laughs> Kevin's, and and the thing is that um, Tim Carroll is listening to this right now. Uh, our, our good at the races colleague, and his fist is getting more and more clenched as he listens in. And I'm sure a tweet's on the way. And Tim, what we're going to do is we're going to have you on the podcast. And we're going to talk about Winks in depth with you. And it's going to be Blake versus, sorry, Bulger versus Carol. <laughs> you can take each other on. And I'm just going to sit back with the odd Paxman grenade lobbed in every now and again. And it's going to be proper war. Um, how frustrated was it, Kevin, being in Galway, watching your beloved George Bowen out the back and then suddenly stay on like the world-class sprinter that he is under Sebastian Woods and think, God, he really should have won. Um, that was a little bit frustrating. He, he got, he got um, a little bit, he, was, he wasn't overly quite quick away and he got crossed in the opening strides and you know, he was still pretty much last. Though, you know, For most inside, of the way. It, well, it, it, he was still last inside the two furlong pole. Yeah. And um, they didn't go flat out for a stewards cup you know the the winner and the second were very much up there all the way and it seemed difficult to come from off the pace and so you know i know time form you know in their in their analysis they felt that if, if he'd been able to make his challenge a second or two earlier that he, that he probably would have won um which is interesting you know i think i wouldn't like to be blaming sebastian now but you know when he was making his headway he just got squeezed through no fault of his own at quite at quite a vital juncture, and I think that was very important. I'd like to think he would have gone close. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say as he should have won, but I think he he should he was certain at least heard best on the day, um, and you, you you can only be delighted with him. Like he's he's, I know we kind of we spent a few years kind of laughing at George Bowen and his inconsistency and in that he win he wins when he wants, but. 
um, for whatever reason, as as we discussed in recent weeks, he's really put it together this year. Yeah. And whatever was whatever was at him, isn't at him anymore physically. And you know that's five runs in a row that he, that he's put up hundred plus performances. Yeah. Um, he's rated one hundred and seven now. And look, he's a proper horse, and and uh, you know I've been agonising for years that 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 Richard Fahey never ran him in a in a stakes race as a, as a greedy breeder that would love some black type beside his name. But uh, I was texting Fahey after the race now, and I I just I just pointed out that there's a lovely six furlong listed race at Newmarket on on on, on August twenty fifth that uh, that comes I think pretty much exactly four weeks before the Air Gold Cup, and would act, would act as a nice little stepping stone there. Hold on a second and, now, uh, Kevin. What date did you say? The 25th of August, I think it was. What happens only a few days after the 25th of August? Oh, nothing. I don't know. Kevin? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Kevin? Who knows? <laughs> Come on now. Well, the, there happens to be a half-sister of the George Bowen selling at Doncaster uh, two days later. <laughs> really? But, yeah, and uh, a little catalogue update would be no harm at all. But, but that's you know. on a completely unrelated note. Unrelated, completely. It's got <laughs> nothing to do with the fact that the brother winning a listed race would be very valuable to you. No, no, no self-interest at all. You're just, you know, you are a race planner for one of Ireland's top trainers, third in the Jumps Trainers Championship. I think, is he second in the Irish flat trainers championship right now he, he, he very much is yeah and you are offering your services your consultancy <laughs> services with no with no bias <laughs> and, and with no self-interest whatsoever to one of the uk's top trainers and you're just pointing out listen you're a busy man richard you know you've got a huge <laughs> string of horses i mean there's only so much that you can do and i've just happened to point out to you look there's a listed race there and it might be beneficial to you don't spoil this for me now, Kennedy. <laughs> he seemed quite receptive to this suggestion. <laughs> um, and and you now, for the record, I, I will quote directly from the great time form here, my, my former employers, of course. Um, the top handicaps are still open to him, but his time is now coming for group sprints. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's what they've said. That's a quote, direct quote. He's going to win. Imagine if he just pops up in what would be a really good race for him to this the the Haydock Spring Sprint Cup. Yeah, and he won. Too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he won. Hey, hey, come here now. He's rated 116. He's not uh, with time form. He's not that far off. No, and your, your, and your top sprinters. <laughs> US Navy flag is going to be down under. So th- so that's the July Cup winner out of the equation. Lamato's gone at the game. Why not? Put him in there. It's- Let's see for the crack. How many pounds on time form is he behind Harry Angel? Let's see. This sixteen is all. Oh. That's, a, that's, a, that's nothing at all. <laughs> he can definitely get it done. Uh, to be fair, though, Kevin, and look, the each way money has been landed for Final Furlong podcast listeners. So hopefully, you joined in the journey of George Bl- Bowen. Bl- Blake Bet only paid four places. <laughs> Bl- Blake Bet were only apparently offering. Again, I have absolutely no clue who's in charge of Blake Bet. Uh, I have the Final Furlong Twitter account, my own Twitter account. That's it. Um, but somebody is in charge of Blake Bet, and they're an absolute genius, whoever it is. As long as you keep being on our side. Um, but I, I quite liked the fact that Blake Bet were only offering winning distances for George Bowen. They were taking no win bets whatsoever, uh, inundated with the, the bets that they were. Um, in all seriousness, though, 
at the start of the season, you were talking about the fact that, and I quite like the fact, Kevin, that you're so open about your operation and your dealings with trainers. You talked about the fact that Richard Fahey called you and said, I don't know what's happened, but George Bone's alive. Like, he's just come, he's just changed over the winter. Uh, and it's great that, you know, he's six. He's still a young horse. There's still a lot of fun to be had with him. And from being disappointing last season to suddenly being this electrified, thrilling sprinter who's given us all a great thrill, it's just great to see. Gosh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it? We won't go on about him now because we just, you know, we, we talk enough about Georgie in the podcast, but it's great. And, um, like, I think he's he's earned a spot of self-interest aside. I think he has. And I honestly think stakes races will suit him better um, because I don't know how much he likes those really big fields. Okay. Um, I, th- I think he likes a little bit of space in his race, ideally. Um, so smaller fields, I think, would be a help to him. Um, and I just love to see him get, get a chance. And I think hopefully he'll run on, on the 25th of August there at Newmarket. It's uh, the hopeful stakes. Um, and his rating of 107 would historically be, you know, put him bang there for that race. So um, hopefully he gets his chance. Because I think he's earned it, to be fair to him, this season. He's been very good. And he's come up. Um, I don't know how much has he come forward this year, official rating-wise. I'd be interested. 80, in that, 80, 87 up to 107. So wow. 20 pounds there in the space of six starts. Um, he's improved, and he's only gone up a so, pound for that brilliant run at the weekend, which is great. So, well, yeah, he, he actually went up a pound. He went up seven pounds for his win at Hamilton, yeah. but he ran on Saturday under a six-pound penalty, so that extra pound was, was coming on regardless of what happened on Saturday. But, um, ah, yeah, look, I, I love, I get some buzz now. I've seen him in a list of the race because he he deserves it, and it would it would be nice to have some big black type there beside. Uh, underneath our midnight oasis because she deserves it too and the uh, george bones sister that is currently in the blake stallion empire in golden is by who and is called what um she's a yearling filly by Gutefan, um who's by dark angel so um she, she'd be a little bit closer than a half sister in, in blood um, she's not quite a three parts sister but she'd be she'd be more than a half if you know what i mean yep um, and she's very nice. I like her. She's got a great old mind. Um, she is what she, she does. What she says in the tin now. She's just a strong sprint type, sprinting type of filly. She goes to Doncaster. She sells on August twenty eighth, I think it is. And I'm counting down the days. Her preparation is going smoothly. Um, she's an important horse. Um, but if for whatever reason she doesn't make, um. She doesn't make as much as I'd like her to make. I will be more than happy to take her home and put a saddle on her um, because she's, she's a smashing filly and uh, I would not be upset. You know, normally as a, as a breeder, you go, as a commercial breeder, you go to the sales to sell and mm. if you don't sell, you, you come home depressed. But to be honest, I'd be I'd come away smiling if she didn't sell because I, I, I wouldn't be upset to race her at all. D, just mark one twenty three forty there. So, um, Kevin, I get 5%, obviously, for... <laughs> yeah. I oh, I will give her the full sales pitch now, closer to the time, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but obviously, like, that's... So, you know, usual deal, bank account details, 5% of the sale. All yeah, look, ah, look there's, there, we still have 20 days to go or so, so... Um, we'll, we'll, really ramp, wrong. we'll really ramp... No, 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 we'll really ramp it up now and we'll... <laughs> 
We'll talk about no, it. No, no. What, what I mean is, like, lots can go wrong. I said, no, she could get hurt or something could go can, wrong. Can, so can, we, can, we won't, can. we won't. We're uh, talking business here. All right. We so. won't counter. So, we won't count our chickens, Kennedy. We so won't we'll, count our chickens. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the fact that uh, it's it's well known that Demi O'Byrne has been knocking around and uh, he's uh, he's shown an interest in her and uh, it's well, well, <laughs> move, move on, well, move on. Well known that John Ferguson has taken an interest in that as well and is is quite interested in a. <laughs> Do you imagine if we just completely lost our integrity and sold out totally? Huh. Wouldn't that be terrible? Um, to be We've fair to Richard Vahey, to, to yeah, <laughs> never done that before. Uh, to be fair to Richard Vahey, Growl did finish in front of George Bowen, ran an absolute stormer. So he's had a good day. Uh, Five thousand eight hundred twenty-five for George Bowen, uh, just a twenty-three thousand three hundred for Growl. But it was Jason Watson's day. Uh, he drops down to a three-pound claimer now on the back of winning on Gifted Master for Hugo Palmer. Uh, I'm sure Hugo would have been fairly frustrated if Escobar, who has the best name in racing, given his white nose, had won uh, the Golden Mile. Uh, but um, Gifted Master more than made up for that. This was only his second run in Handicap Company and his second time unbeaten in Handicap. And in fact, out of group company and stakes company, I think he's six from eight. Um, and he joins Hoofit as the highest-rated winner of this race in the last few years. This was quite the performance from Gifted Master. Yeah, he's a super horse. He's a bit mad, I think, by all accounts. I mean, it can be he was very free at times um, earlier on in his life and dropping back in trip. That you know, he's won over a mile this horse in the past, and you know, going back in trip was important to him. And he was given a good forward ride here by by Jason Watson. Was never far away. Um, I was in, in I suppose in front. You could say most of the way, and um, and battled back gamely. Having looked like he was in big trouble, he battled back gamely. And you know, this, this probably wasn't the the best Stewards Cup we've ever seen, but it doesn't matter when you're winning at half 111. Yeah. That's a big, big performance. And um, all credit to him, unbeaten in handicaps. Yeah, I don't think he'll get a, don't think he'll get into another one. But um, great job now from from all concerned here. Is there anything else that you would like to highlight from the Saturday at Goodwood? <sighs> No, no, it was very much George Bowen day for me now, and yeah. I came away with a, a small dose of depression. But other than that. <laughs> did like the cameo though. Did like the cameo, uh, and well done to producer D for some excellent camera work. Um, <laughs> George Bowen day on ITV Racing. Uh, he's run a stormer, and I'm sure that you will allow us to be slightly biased in our coverage of George Bowen. But if he goes and wins that listed race, put him in the ATR tracker. If he lines up at Newmarket, just lump. Do what Kevin Blake tells you not to do. Back him overnight and and create a huge gamble on him. And uh, that'll create all a big buzz then as well when Kevin's filly goes through the sales ring. Um, Polly Dream won the pre-Maurice de Geest. So two horses going in very different directions as in uh, Wild Illusion's been running in an Oaks and winning over 10 furlongs. Polly Dream running over six and a half furlongs. But uh, agony for George Scott and Frankie Dettori. I think George Scott took that defeat for James Carfield a little bit tough and I wouldn't blame him either because it looked as though they were going to win and then just close home, uh, Maxime Guillon gets up for Freddie Head with Polly Dream. Fine run from the Tin Man and Labrisa Breeze back in behind as well. Uh, Kevin Blake, your article on attheraces.com is a pretty serious one to say the least. Uh, by the way, I should just, before we move on to that, I should just say at the Curra, Sydney Opera House, who is uh, beautifully bred, ran a very eye-catching race for Aidan O'Brien. But more importantly, your dad had the well-backed favourite who went on to win, Courageous. 
so it oh, <laughs> took me a second there. <laughs> good, good to see your father, Jim Bulger, in the winner's enclosure with a with a nice looking, a very nice looking two year old. Uh, this one by Tiafilio. Um So at the fourth time of asking, getting off the winning mark, and he's been sent off favoured in three of his four runs. So yeah, and was tilted at a, at a big prize behind Marie's Diamond. So there you go. Um, courageous. Uh, keep an eye on that one for uh, for Daddy Bulger. Um, <laughs> does a jockey need to be killed before stewarding, stewarding of interference is changed in British racing is the headline from Kevin Blake in his At The Races article, which you might think, gosh, Kevin, that's a bit of a serious headline. I watched this race and my reaction was, oh my God, is that jockey all right? Is that horse okay? This was... Awful, awful viewing, and that headline is absolutely accurate. Um, yeah, look, this this is something that podcast listeners would have heard me go on about an awful lot. Um, the interference rules in in Britain and the interpretation of them, more importantly, is just an accident waiting to happen. Uh, there, there's way too much benefit of doubt given to given to offenders, those that cause interference. It it enables rough riding that creates very dangerous situations and this particular incident at Linkfield I think really um, showed what the stewarding of the interference rules in Britain can lead to uh, it was it was shocking um, visually it, it was it was horrendous and look the whole point of the thing isn't to throw stones or demonize John Fahey who is the, the offending rider in this case um, it was more so the fact that this just really illustrated what I'm talking about in in, in, a, in a very visual way. Um, and, you know, John Fahey did wrong and he was punished. He arguably was, wasn't punished strongly enough. But Seven days? Not, was that right? Uh, eight days. Um, it, it's not really about John Fahey, though. It's about the interpretation of the rules yeah. and having that discussion. You know, that's the important thing here. It's just a, a sad fact of life is that sometimes you need to shock people before you get them to listen to you. And um, I thought that that particular case was so shocking that it, w it was worth um, using, I suppose, in a way to, to illustrate the point and to raise the discussion. And it's something that uh, the article has very much taken off. It's got people talking um, where they're, you know, the BHA will take any notice of it. Who knows? Uh, you'd, you'd love to think they would because this is a case that's very difficult to defend you know for the for the acting stewards to 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 not call that to not only not call that dangerous riding um, but to by by indication of the punishment they gave to consider it a mid-level careless riding offense by only giving him eight days when they could have given him quite a bit more um it, it's, it's just shocking to me and you know i asked the question in the article you know if they think that 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 case was a mid-level careless riding offence. You know, can we get some of the stewards to tell us, to describe to us what would have to happen for them to call an incident dangerous riding? Yeah. You know, does a fella have to take out a does a jockey have to take a, a son-off shotgun out of his breeches and start letting fly, and, and shoot the fella's dead? I know that's a ridiculous thing to say, but it makes you wonder when they consider this, which could have led to tragedy. And I know it's not all about the consequences. You know, it should be, you're punishing the actions rather than the consequence. But 
to call that mid-level careless riding is just flabbergasting to me but the problem is really is the problem is that it's going to lead it's going to eventually and you've you've called this so many times and this is the closest we've seen to a real serious incident and i would like to highlight that in your article you specifically state and i quote the intention of this depth of analysis is not to demonize john fahey you also state we cannot know with certainty what john fahey saw or heard in the heat of the moment on the eventual winner but it goes back to the stewards eventually it does, it does. eventually you know. like what what is what's going to happen is something terrible and i can only imagine by the way um that the the trevor whelan had a quiet word with john Faye afterwards i can't imagine he went back into the to the changing room afterwards and was like all right lad sure these things happen um you know, I'd, I'd say he had his his uh, his piece to say on the matter as well. But and, uh, is it the going? Thing is look, we, we we can throw stones at riders for what they do, but ultimately the stewards are enabling this type of exactly. riding. It, it's the rules that are in place. And like, is it actually going to take the death of a horse, the serious injury of a jockey, the death of a jockey, for them to go? Oh, oh, actually, oh, oh, yeah, uh, we need to. Mm, uh, in hindsight. Perhaps. Well, well, look, that's the fear. We need to have this this discussion now before that happens. Because, look, the jockeys are competitive, and they want to win. And the likes of John Fahey, who a rider who I'm very fond of, and geez, I know John. I tried to, I, I I tried my best to get him a job as an apprentice with, with Jeremy Gas back in the day. I've been a big fan of his ever since he was apprentice to John Ox. So I trust me, I get no joy in 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 highlighting that ride in that way. Um, but I've got to do my job too. And look, this, 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 it's just, I just can't see how the authorities don't see the danger of this. You know, jockeys want to win, uh, you know, at every level. Uh, but when the stakes are high and it comes down to it and it's a close run thing, like it was going to be at Linkfield on Saturday, and you put yourself in John Fahey's mind, he, jockeys, because of the way the stewards are enforcing interference rules, they know that they can edge left, they can edge right, they can interfere, they can lean on rivals, they can get, they can cut in front of them. They can effectively do what they want, play bumper cars, and as long as the winning distance isn't a nose or a short head, they're probably safe. They'll keep the race, they'll keep the win, they'll get their prize money, they'll get a couple of days ban, and that's it. You know, and that's where the danger is. It's because, and we see it, this was a particularly shocking example, but we see it on a far less shocking scale and with much less uh, dramatic results or consequences on, on a pretty much day-to-day basis. There's no deterrent there against riders keep, keep allowing their horses to drift or even sending them um, into their rivals' paths because the punishments just aren't severe enough to, to deter them for doing so. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's it, honest to God, it frightens me now. And I'm not, I, 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 you know... Um, I've got no, no no dog in any of these fights, but, you know, jockeys will... I, I can fully understand jockeys doing what they have to do to win, um, you know, but it, it, it's up to the rule makers to set the thing up so that they don't really have that option. You know, if you do what John Fahey did, you get disqualified. Well, what, if you, if you, what you know, comment that, did I make at, towards the start of this podcast about Sylvester D'Souza and Little Rock, Rockefeller? You should have cut the nose off Cracksman. And that's not me saying go and absolutely smash Cracksman up and go and win. 
But the fact is, had he done that on the day, he'd have kept the race. No, but that's different because the the thing, the case was there is he left the gap. Yeah. He, the, the Souza left the gap there that he should never have left there. It wasn't about cutting across Craftsman. It was about keeping his horse close, close to the rails yeah, so that that gap was gap. never there. Not opening the gap in the first place. That, that's the point there. Whereas this was a case where the gap was, as you would have fit a bus through the gap. And I believe, and some people have, have been in touch, you know, to, to disagree with my assessment of it. I, I think John Fahey felt right. He spotted him and is, uh-oh, I shouldn't have left that gap open. And he made a move left to close the gap. And it, it led to the horse getting brought down. The horse probably reacted more strongly than Fahey expected him to, to his to his instructions. But, you know, if that if this is in, and I know France have changed the rules now, France are more in line with, with Britain and Ireland. But, but you're in very, America, very surprised that and disappointed with it. Ex- exceptionally surprised. But, you know, if, if that's in America... The thought doesn't enter a jockey's head to, oh, I better close that gap. I better tighten him up. Because if you do it, you're gone. Yeah. You're gone. You know, if the rules are, are sufficient, and people will talk about, oh, we don't want a situation where the best horse in the race gets lobbed out um, because of minor interference. I can understand that too, but you have to, you have to enforce the rules in such a way that you know, the jockeys and riders are kept safe. I know it's it's a, it's already the, probably the most dangerous sport in the world, you know. And I think we're just dancing with the devil um, by by having the rules interpreted in this this lax, lenient way that enables such rough riding. And um, yeah, that's it. Look, and I I could talk about this all day. It, it frustrates me and and it it, it frightens me because you know. Jesus, lads, jockeys, these jockeys have, have families. They're, they're human beings. Yeah. And they're being put in danger um, to uphold a principle that, that, you know, these are horses running around fields, lads. I know it's important to all of us, but it's not as important as the, the health and safety uh, of jockeys and the horses themselves. You know, we, we really need to look at these rules and ask ourselves, are, are, are we doing the right thing here? You know, we should have more protection uh, for for horses and jockeys, and I know in some ways uh, some people mightn't perceive uh, tightening up the rules to be to be doing that, but that's what it is doing. You know, if you may if you increase punishments uh, for for rough riding, jockeys will adjust. They'll focus more on keeping their horses straight, and that that's only a good thing. That can only be a good thing. It's just so rough now. It's so rough. It's needlessly rough, and it, it, it's a pretty easy fix. It just takes the stewards. Um, and, and the BHA to acknowledge that, yeah, that's, look, the, the, our racing is getting a bit rough because we're being too lax and lenient with our stewarding. Let's tighten things up here. All you have to, all it would take is a couple of jockeys to get a couple of horses to get lobbed out to get very heavy punishments for rough riding. And you watch the jockeys will adjust very, very quickly, and that will only be for the good of the game. This is a sport where our athletes are followed by an ambulance. This is a sport where some of our most talented jockeys have suffered horrific falls resulting in terrible injuries which have either ended up in being life-threatening injuries which have tragically taken their lives or left them on the sidelines for quite some time uh, before they're able to come back and then somehow get back on a horse and go and compete again. This is an incredibly dangerous sport that all of us love we love dearly and the people and and i would 
include John Fahey in this. John Fahey going out there and riding a horse day in, day out, whether it's work or on the track, is risking his life for his love of the game to do what he wants to do and for our love of this amazing sport. But jockeys risk their lives every single day. All it takes is the stewards to put in place a rule that can help these jockeys to not be seriously injured because there's enough things that can go wrong already without it being in a jockey's head, oh, I need to close that gap. Oh, I need to do this. And knowing that they'll get away with it. Why does Neymar dive? Because he knows he'll get away with it. He'll get mocked on social media and around the world, but ultimately a footballer can dive to win a penalty because they know they'll get away with it. So why wouldn't a jockey close a gap? Because it'll help them win a race possibly or they might get a bollocking from their owner or from their trainer if they haven't been seen to do everything they can and it's with right now it's within the rules to do that and when John Fahey yeah. does look, whether the, whether the, John the, Fahey the rules are there it's yeah. about interpretations you know the, the rule is the same rule that's in Ireland it's just it's interpreted different differently in Ireland exactly and there's nothing wrong with the rule it's about how they interpret it and how much they, they how much leeway they allow and here's the other thing it could have gone the other way John Fahey could have been the one that came down when he made that maneuver. You know, these are horses. It's, it's legs. It's eight legs at speed, 40 miles an hour, clashing into each other. You've no idea what's going to happen or, or how that's going to end. But it's not going to end well. And eventually, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So we've already seen it around the world elsewhere. But it's going to happen on a British race course. And it's going to be the British authorities or Irish authorities, who are going to have to stand up and go, now we're going to take action. And when they do take action, it's too late. So the least that they can do is police the sport in a way that isn't taking away from the drama, isn't taking away from the joy of the sport, is just putting things in place to ensure that people like the, the offending jockey in this occasion, who is risking his life, I state, and Kevin has not, is not deliberately having a go at him. Neither am I. We're highlighting a very serious video and a very serious case. All the stewards have to do is put in place a system that allows jockeys to be safer, that allows horses to be safer, and surely that is just common sense. Yeah, look, it's just about... It's the, it's the, the rules are there. It's just about enforcing them in the way that deters rough riding. You know, that's it in, in, in as few words as I can sum it up. It, it, it's as simple as that. You could have written about Galway. You could have written about Goodwood. You could have written about Bloodstock. You chose to write, a, write about that. And that is, in my view, how serious the situation it is. So there we go. That'll just about do it. Ending on a high note, Kev. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can read Kevin's article right now on attheraces.com. Uh, Hugh Taylor has been on fire. Uh, so too is Gary O'Brien. Their articles are also available for you on attheraces.com. We will preview the weekend's racing for you on Thursday. We're looking ahead to the Shergar Cup at Ascot and also to the action at the Curra. Will you be at the Curra on Sunday, Kim Blake? I won't, actually. No, I won't. I can't go. Ah, so you can be watching it on ATR. Uh, so we'll have the Absolutely. Phoenix Sticks. Uh, will we see... 
Sergei Prokofiev, not entirely sure. Uh, possibly, I would imagine it would be his next his next stepping stone, but we'll see. Maybe Landforce will take up the engagement. We'll talk about it all on Thursday's show. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for all the kind words about the Jane Mangan Galway review as well. Thoroughly enjoyed having Jane on the show. She'll be back on soon. And you can listen to that now on attheraces.com, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. From the breeder of the world's greatest sprinter, George Bone. Good luck. Thanks very much, Kevin Bolger. Always great to have you on the show. <laughs> and I have to get used to that. And for me, Emmett Kennedy, thanks so much for tuning Sorry, Emmett O'Brien, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh- <laughs> Glad of your company. Uh, From Kevin Blake, Emma Kennedy, we'll chat to you again very, very soon. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.